Hello, and welcome to the AK-47 podcast. My name is Kristen Godsey, and it is September 7th, which is Labor Day in the United States. This is the day that we celebrate instead of May 1st. It's a holiday here, and I have decided to take yet another break from reading Alexandra Kolontai's Red Love. I'm supposed to be reading Chapter 6, but I have my daughter here with me. Hello. And she and I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about gender and feminism in the time of coronavirus. Since very relevant. It's very relevant. It's very timely. And here in the United States, Labor Day for us generally tends to mark the last weekend of summer. Uh, people are probably out there gathering and having barbecues and spreading more coronavirus all over the place. So for we'll sure. for sure lots of big blowout sales, end of summer sales, forty percent off, thirty yeah. percent off, <laughs> consumerism, fifty percent off sale, and it's height, everything, everything. And uh, and anyway, kids are supposed to go back to school, generally speaking, after this weekend. But most of them are remote, at least in this area. Yeah, in this area and in many areas around the country, our elementary school and junior high and high school students are going to be remote, which means that they're at home, as are some college students. Myself included. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Who are fully remote for the semester because of the pandemic. And one of the things that I think is really interesting is the problem of how kids get schooled at home when they're remote, like left to their own devices I don't know a single eight or nine-year-old, well, maybe there's one or two, but most of them aren't going to get up in the morning and log on to a computer and go to school without some kind of parental supervision. And this has created a lot of extra work that needs to be done in the home, which is, you know, I think largely falling on the shoulders of women, which we are seeing. We actually have good data. So some of your friends are actually being like hired to be the surrogates, right? Um, yeah, in a way. I mean, there are a lot of, I have a couple friends who, um, less, less than just, you know, being surrogates for like nagging and stuff, they are doing extra tutoring, um, on the side for various, you know, fourth graders through a lot, a lot of younger kids mostly, but also some like high school students. Um, and this is all of my friends who are, um, either taking gap years from college or their colleges haven't started yet because they're delaying a semester. So, so yeah, it's, it's very much like students kind of hiring themselves out, um, in their free time to help like mothers and, and working parents with the burden of, I mean, students just aren't learning as well as, as they normally would. Remote learning is confusing and difficult to navigate. And so a lot of people in this area are hiring students to help them through that. Yeah. And, you know, I do think it just sort of shows how valuable the labor that mothers and fathers, but particularly mothers, provide. I mean, we're seeing that schools schools are play an important role, obviously, in educating our children, but they also watch our children. Taking care of them, yeah. And allow people to go get, to work. They yeah. don't get into too much trouble. They don't, you know, they have, you know, activities to consume their time. Whereas with online learning, because of, you know, they're trying to mitigate Zoom fatigue. So they're having, there's less just class time because if people spent six hours just in classes on Zoom, it would be terrible. It would be awful. Um, And so they are 
they have to make a lot of changes to the the day, the school day as it as it was. And that usually means that students have a lot more free time on their hands. Right. And that that can be really bad for parents. <laughs> the problem is that in a pandemic, like you can't just send your kids to daycare. Right. I agree. <laughs> Obviously, that's a huge problem. But what is happening is that wealthy parents can afford mm-hmm. to pay for these pods, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they're calling them, pods. Pod tutoring. Pod tutoring, right? Yeah. And so, and poor yeah. parents can't. Yeah. And I mean, all of my friends who are doing it are, are making a pretty penny because they know that they are, they're in demand. And so they can, I mean, they don't have jobs. They, they can't get jobs in yeah. this, in this environment. So there, there are a lot of rich parents who are willing to pay $40, $50 an hour for pod tutoring for their kids. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the educational system is already so unequal, Mm -hmm. that this is just going to exacerbate that incredibly. And so, you know, I think this allows us in some ways to think about the differences between, let's say, a liberal feminist solution or a socialist feminist solution to this, Mm -hmm. because I've been talking to people about this and thinking a lot about this. You know, a lot of the columns that I read in the New York Times or, you know, in kind of more popular press are really about how men should help out more, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That that fathers are kind of falling down on the job. Not all of them, but a lot of them, right? And there, there's a lot of good evidence that there are studies that show that even the men who think that they do more around the house, if you have like a, a husband and a wife, like li- like listing off the, the, the chores that they do, the men think that they do about 50% of the work, but actually they do like less than 20%. Right. Um, Right. Which, you know, it's like in response to that, liberal feminists are very often like, well, we need to make it sure that like they actually do 50% of the work. Right. Right. But that means that we're just keeping this labor in the kind of nuclear family in the sort of heterosexual patriarchal home. And we're not really unpaid. It is unpaid. It's unvalued just because men do it. Right. Doesn't mean if they do it in the private sphere, it's still unvalued. And that's part of the reason why they don't do it. (laughs) Partially. I mean, yeah, the thing is that there's a little bit of a contradiction under capitalism because it is really highly valued if non-family members do it. Right. Because, you know, in in the U.S., Childcare is murderously expensive, especially good childcare. Right, but that money doesn't actually go to the workers. That's tr- that's exactly. the problem, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's murderously expensive because wealthy women have no choice but to outsource childcare. Exactly. But the people who actually provide the childcare, the women, right? Uh, whether this is in like an institutional setting or like a live-in au pair or a nanny or whatever, like they're actually not paid all that well. Although it is changing, I think, in the pandemic precisely because there's such a high demand and institutional child care is not an option. Yeah. And also, I mean, as one thing that there's great potential for is um, that as we've sort of I think I've personally started seeing it a little more is, you know, personal ads and personal, like, you know, I, rather than being a nanny in like a nanny agency, agency yeah. a program or something, if you, you know, put up posters around the neighborhood or put posters on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram that you're available as a nanny or as a babysitter or you can do tutoring, I've seen all sorts of people, um, especially from my college who are all remote, who mm-hmm. might be taking gap years or they're, they are, um, putting out their own ads rather than joining programs and, and, yeah. and agencies. And because of that, all of the money goes to them. 
Right. And that's great, right? Sort of cutting out the, cutting the sort out of the, capitalist middleman. Yeah. The, the advertiser. The advertiser or the agency that sort of does. I mean, obviously, when it comes to like nanny agencies and stuff, they do things like background checks. And yeah. yeah I mean, but if you're hiring like a local high school student, that's going to be less of an issue, yeah, one hopes, I that's guess. That's true. I don't know. I mean, it, it does seem to me that there has to be, I mean, yeah, the pandemic makes it very difficult. There has to be a more social solution to make the situation with childcare somehow more equitable and education more equitable. But it it is really a very difficult solution. And especially, I mean, the way that we would do that is, I mean, there are two sort of routes. One of them is government funds and government, like, you know. Using redistribution. Redistrib- redistributing, like, tax um, the budget, basically, and, like, maybe taking a little bit away from our ginormous military budget, for example. For example. For example. And, and you know, taking, like, actually investing in, in these programs like they did under socialism mm-hmm. in the 20th century. Or, I mean, and this is much less possible, but I think more or less, much less ideal, mm-hmm. but more possible under capitalism is some sort of charity, some sort of fund mm-hmm. for this, because... Under, I mean, it's so unrealistic with the state of the government and like lobbies and and the way that the government is run. It's just completely. It, it, it's it's almost impossible to get us to 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 really rejigger the budget. I mean, right now. I right mean, now, I, yeah. Maybe in maybe if Biden is elected and then we have more and more and more liberal presidents after that, yeah. Then eventually, potentially, it's right. possible. And if we, I mean, we'd have to take the Senate for multiple years, right? Not just few, right. for yeah. multiple terms. Yeah, it, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's going to be hard. But you know, but you know, on the so from the on the political side of things, it seems pretty dire in the United States. I would say, but on the more social side of things, the more collective side of things, I do think that suddenly people are beginning to realize the value of Mm -hmm. care work. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just talking about like looking after children and educating children, but also care work of like the kind of work, volunteer work that people do to support a community or elder care, looking after, you know, people who may not be able to take care of themselves and looking after neighbors, emotional support. For friends and family members. It's really big. It's really valuable. And, and, you know, as I've said on this podcast before, I think one of the most negative things of late stage capitalism that I see is the commodification, mm-hmm. right, of mm-hmm. things like emotional support. You know, and it's it there is a contradiction there because on the one hand, you want the work to be valued, but you also don't want it to be commodified. Yeah, exactly. And how do you square that circle? You know, it, it has to be, you know, a kind of universal benefit that everybody has access to that is outside of the market. But yeah. that becomes very difficult to set up in a capitalist economy. Because everything is in the market. Because everything is everything. in the market. Yeah. I mean, gosh, you know, there isn't a single thing that you can't find an app to buy, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've heard of OnlyFans. What are OnlyFans? OnlyFans is a website. It's basically a website where you can produce your own porn. Oh, I think and I people, heard yeah, about and, this. and there are all sorts of TikToks. There are all sorts of um, women who are like, I mean, there's this funny that there's this joke that's like an audio that's like, um, when people ask me what I do, I say I'm an accountant. Where do you like? Nobody asks you questions when you're an accountant. Like, where do you work at a place where accountants work? Like, I don't. And then so it's like for people who, 
Make their money off make of OnlyFans. Make their only money fans. off of OnlyFans. And there's like, they, they bought like really nice clothes and really, they've had, they have like really nice apartments and they like are actually supporting themselves because they're like, they're all beautiful women mm-hmm. and they're just, they're producing and they're financing porn and they're making money off of it. Well, that's a hell of a lot better than being exploited. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's sort of, yeah. And it's, yeah. But it's like, but yeah, I mean, I don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with that if that's what you want to no, do. But it's, it, yeah, exactly. But it's like, it's very, but if you don't have any other choices, then mm-hmm. it sort of feels like it could be very coercive as well. I mean, it's less coercive because nobody, like, it's right. It's your own choice. Choice, right? Like you're doing. You're, right. You choose to go onto it. I mean, it, it might be difficult if you want to get out of it. I don't I know. Think. I'm not sure, but I think that it's a really interesting. I, I brought it up sort of as an example of the commodification of of everything, and inst- it's sort of getting better in some respects, like with. Only fans, rather than the commodification of porn as like this multi-million billion dollar industry that's like highly exploitative and really really awful, especially to young women. Mm-hmm. But it's also it's sort of a, a, another it's sort of a form like a form of liberal feminism that rather than other people exploiting you, you can exploit, exploit yourself. yourself. Yeah, and that's like really progressive and really like, empowering and really liberating for women because they're making their own porn. Right. That's sort of like, you know, being your own, like, you know, sort of advertising yourself as a nanny or a babysitter without any middleman, right? You're exploiting your own, you're extracting your own surplus value. But again, is that the solution for everybody? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's such a... But it's it's, really hard. It is really hard. It's still much better than working under the existing system. So it is better. Yes. It is sort of progress. But if we follow this progress... To its logical conclusion. To its logical conclusion, then we're still just as oppressed as we used to be. And we've all so hyper-commodified ourselves that there's nothing left of us that isn't outside of the market. Exactly. Which is scary to me that there would be things, that there would be, we could live in a world where every single part of a person, their mind, their emotions, their heart, their soul, their bodies, their attentions, their affections, their words, their thoughts, everything has a Mm -hmm. price. Everything. And it's, I mean, it's especially interesting because like now we've seen, um, with like the compensation for emotional labor like a lot of women are asking yeah um for you right know, PayPal. they're pay, giving out paypal, PayPal or or venmo venmo, venmo me for, for, venmo my, me emotional for my emotional labor. labor and a lot of it's like again it's like self-commodification and it is like yeah that's that is time that you could spend earning money and being productive and yeah. you're just giving it to people for free and that's really unfair right under a capitalist system it is because yeah. every single minute that i'm not making money for myself is harming me is the is the mentality that is being yeah being, being... You're, you're wasting your precious commodity which is exactly. time and you know and again like in some ways if i like sit here and stare at the wall for 30 minutes on one one hand i'm hurting myself because i'm not making any money yeah. on the other hand i'm hurting capitalism because i'm not producing anything for yeah. the gdp yeah. right it's like this interesting fellowship that we read about in yes. Germany, yeah, where uh-huh. they were going to give somebody Money for nothing, yeah, <laughs> give somebody a grant for not doing. And so, is that real? Actually? That's real. That's real. Okay. Yeah, and you have to answer like four questions to apply for this fellowship, mm-hmm. and it's like, what are you not going to do, and um, why is it important that you not, not do, do it? it? Why are you the person not to do this thing? And for how long are you not going to do it? <laughs> Which is a really, and the whole idea of the exercise is how do we create 
like sustainable, humane economies Mm -hmm. in an era of climate change, Mm -hmm. when we live in a society that is based on achievement and and constantly measuring the metrics of production and doing things, right? And like getting things. I mean, we were talking yesterday about exactly this and and I I you you brought up that not buying something in a store when you when you like it and you want to buy it but you know you don't you don't really need it and it's cost some money and it's fast fashion in the end probably and so if you don't buy it we don't usually usually we think oh I got this thing but not like I didn't get this thing right and saying and that's not an achievement but it should be but an it achievement yeah. Resisting the temptation of fast fashion, of, of capapitalism sort of at its most fundamental is really big. It's huge. It's <laughs> a huge achievement. So much of our, so much of the, especially the digital world these days is trying to get us to buy things, trying to get us to consume things. And if you choose not to, you've actually achieved something. Yeah. But that never much gets... more than the other way around. Yeah, I know. Because you've just fallen victim to, advertising. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I feel like, you know, the great thing about that German fellowship is that it's actually trying to force us to think, yeah, what are the things that we shouldn't do? Yeah. Right. You know, and, and I do think like this problem of wanting to value emotional labor while at the same time, not commodify it is a tricky, is a tricky uh, line to walk. But that's precisely why people like Alexandra Kolontai said that we should socialize. No, but yeah. it's hard to socialize emotional labor. It's also hard to socialize under capitalism. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, it's especially hard to socialize under capitalism. But I think the idea is that if we lived in a more just and equitable society where people had a greater level of social security and stability in their lives, there would be less emotional labor required. But also, I mean, I think also, and this comes sort of around to the gig economy in a big way, because it, because every... Rather than having like stable nine to five jobs, our, we've kind of changed our minds about nine to five jobs. We've said that they're they're bad and they're too traditional and they're restrictive and they're terrible and they're you know harmful and whatever. And so everybody wants to have like a flexible job. But actually, I mean, the farther away we get from it, the better. I mean, the better nine to five is because you're working from nine a.m. to five p.m. Monday to Friday. Yeah, it's exactly like this in Germany. They work really yeah. really hard from nine a.m. to noon, and then they. Are no nobody's doing anything. The office is completely empty until one. Yep. And then everybody comes back and they work and work and work and work until five, and then it's Feierabend. It's like there, it's party party evening is literally what the translation is. And then you just don't care. You don't check email. You don't do any work. You don't respond. You're gonna be back at nine a.m. the next morning. But th- like, and so in an in an, a world where that is the norm, like it was earlier, the emotional labor, the free time that you have, you can spend it however you want. And you have a source of income. You have periods of time that are blocked out during the day where you're going to be productive. Yeah. And the other times, it doesn't matter whether or not your emotional labor is valued. Right. Because... Because you're getting paid. It's just, you it's have a job. Time. Yeah, That's it's, your time. Yeah, yeah. You can do whatever you want with right. it. You can it, talk to nobody. You can talk to everybody. You can be supportive to your boyfriend. You can go out partying. You yeah. can do you whatever. You can sleep. You can sleep. You could, you know, stare at a wall. <laughs> yeah, you can stare at a wall. And so, I mean... Especially with like you know the phones that we carry around, we're always checking email. We're always responsive mm. to 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 capitalism. We're always responsive to things, 
And that I think is also causing a lot of this problem. And a lot of unhappiness yeah. and misery. Yeah. I, there was a great column this morning in the New York Times. I think it was Krugman who said that gross domestic misery is increasing. You yeah. Know? Gross domestic product is one measure of an economy, but gross it's domestic misery is another. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think we're entering really a high. pretty miserable and it's time. Going up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that rather unhappy note, we will say goodbye, and um, I promise I will continue reading Red Love. <laughs> I keep saying that. It's just been hard to focus lately. I mean, it's hard with the whole novel as well. Yeah, it's and, hard, a you whole know, novel. And summer is quarantine, like time just sort moves of, weirdly. <laughs> time moves weirdly. We're still kind of in lockdown here in the United States. For, for those of you who are not in the U.S., we are still... Yeah feeling rather circumscribed in our movements. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a problem. It's a problem. So in any event, thank you so much for listening. As always, I'm very grateful to all of you who are sticking with the podcast, even though I don't do it as often as I should. And I regularly keep interrupting my own flow to do these bonus episodes, but it's, it's always nice when I can get my daughter to sit down with me and chat. Yay. So we hope you enjoy them. We hope you enjoy them. And as always, keep up the good like, fight. Keep like, up the good fight. Like, keep up the Just good fight. Just keep up, like, the good fight. <laughs> you sound like such a valley girl. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much.